0: I'm going to be laying down while we do this whole thing. This is new for me. I think I am too. Yeah, Yeah, hold on. Let me just position the mic and my pillow. There you go.
1: (laughs) The outrageous crew in quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Very
0: reclined. I've never never been so comfortable doing this. Okay. Hi, welcome to Outrageous, our bi-weekly podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris, I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in L.A.
2: Hello!
0: And Jason in D.C. Hello again. Hi,
1: uh, what's going on? It's been a while. I, I can't get over, I just think it's important for the listeners to know that Chris is holding a blanket over his head while recording to increase to improve the sound quality. But it's just, it's hard I'm, for me to focus looking I'm committed. at
0: it right now. I'm committed. Uh, it's hot under here. Really <laughs> super hot. But at least it doesn't sound like I'm in a bathroom recording this. Just remember that time you recorded in a bathroom?
1: Yep. I was committed. I was committed. So Hold cool. on, though. What Nothing about? compared to recording in a GNC. That forever will be my favorite record <laughs>
2: Which turned out to not be as quiet as you would think, because nobody goes into GNCs anymore. <laughs> oh my god!
0: The one by my house just shut down, so let that be a lesson.
1: GNC is the I best don't... place. Abandoned GNC is those... the best place to record a podcast. GNC, it's one of those chains. I don't know how it ever worked. Like, do it people did. go it to a separate... Worked. I know it did, but I don't know how. 90s. I the went 90s, there. The 90s,
2: people were, like, really into... You know what? I think what's ruined GNCs are, like, hello, drugs through the mail. Like, hello. Hello,
0: everything through the mail so, everything through the mail I needed a new lamp and a new clock those are things I used to go to the store for honey amazon.com horrible
2: Horrible. I'm
0: terrible. I mean it's just
2: walk horrible. down the street and see your neighbors and get a lamp <laughs> <laughs> I want seeing the
1: neighbors them. is too high a price to pay for yeah. sure. yes. neighbors who are they
2: People. people
1: <laughs> you no know, suspicious people i see nearby that i don't trust
0: uh you know what i wanted to ask you guys about online dating what about it i had this idea the other day and maybe i'm crazy is it possible that could go away i was thinking about this the other day right and i was thinking because someone had said to me uh i was like oh so how did you meet your husband and it was like online how else does anyone meet anybody and i was like Mm, and I was thinking about just how people, the way people using Facebook is changing, the way people use Instagram is changing. And I was like, I wonder if we're going to go back to some sort of old school way of meeting people such as who are your neighbors or <laughs> looking up while you walk down the street. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I feel it. like I'm <laughs> like, sometimes I feel like I'm just aging so rapidly in my head. And like, like, I, like I'm always saying, give me a lawn chair and a rake and I'm ready to go. But I don't know. I had this fantasy in my head that, like, oh, what is going to come after this?
2: I don't know, though. I mean, I feel like people are going to get so comfortable with online dating that it's going to actually progress further. And they'll just exclusively date each other through some sort of virtual
0: reality world. So they won't even go on the actual (laughs) dates.
1: I think we're seeing that. You've probably seen the, the recent article about how... You know, p- people aren't having sex as much, particularly teenagers. Even though there's like sex is more ubiquitous in like popular culture and in terms of access to um, the pill and all this stuff, there are all these reasons why we'd expect that there'd be more sex going on with younger people, and there's actually less. And people are on their screens. Like I, I think what comes next is exactly what you just said. It's <laughs> like actually don't even go on the date. Just like okay. you just so, sexed. There's never sex. I, just sexing.
0: I, I skimmed that article. And so uh, am I to believe that people are not having sex because they're too involved in texting their friends? Yes. Okay. Um, I I have both texted people and had sex. And if I had to pick one, I'd rather do mm, it's not texting. So I, I I don't listen, know. Yeah, yeah, but
2: if you're parties, if you're 14, listen, can I tell you I've been to parties where I expected to be dancing and people were actually texting instead of dancing. So you'd be surprised at the activities people give up. Just their I, I
1: think there's a through line here in terms of what we're talking about, neighbors versus versus this. I mean, and I'm gonna sound really old now, but here you know, I when I was growing up as a kid. I'm not saying all the neighbors we all liked each other, but like we my family knew everybody on the street. I played outside in the middle of the street with like packs of like scores of kids. You know, I'm back now living in the suburbs again, and you just don't see that. Like it just and so people just I I think these things are all connected. Like people are not engaging with the people around them. You know, what you were just saying, Chris, the thing is. If you're 14 and you've never had sex and you, you have to choose between what's really easy, which is being behind a screen and engaging in that way versus stepping up to the potential of being rejected and all of the challenges, overcoming social anxiety, it's real easy to stay behind that screen. I, 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 think, I think there's a lot of alienation now, and I, I think the technology is, is um, it, it's a crutch that is maybe making it more difficult for people to connect.
2: I think the future of that is things that we couldn't imagine. Maybe the future of sex even is a kind of computerized sex. Oh man, we've been
0: we've been hoping slash fearing that since the 80s.
2: Sure, but why not? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying is that we've become so sophisticated in how we maybe engage each other that we're just going to continue down this road and pull it into other aspects of our lives, right? We're talking about doing this with therapy, right? Online. So I, I actually don't think we see a retreat back. And if we do, maybe it's um, generational too. Um, Maybe you're actually maybe calling to something about how you think you might do in
0: the future. I will say I stumbled upon something the other day. Um, Solo sexuals. What are those? It's people who uh, their only sexual relationship is with with themselves through masturbation and Mm. porn or images. And at first I was like, okay, there's always been people who have been... I hate to use the word, but addicted to masturbation and whatnot, whatnot.
2: Mm-hmm. There's
0: always been those people. But now what I've stumbled upon on the internet, because this is what it's for, is like groups of like <laughs> cells of people who are like, oh no, this is the only way that I get off. This is what I do. I'm not a weirdo. It's just that it's easier for me to pleasure myself and have like this sort of very <laughs> literally self-centered Relationship with oneself, rather than to engage anybody else. So, sure. I mean <laughs> You say sure is that that's the logical place that people should be ending up? What?
2: Well, you, you know, know what? I, mean, I was about to say, think about how if you create. I mean, I think it's it's to Jason's point. You know, we create a lot of risky situations out in the world and also interpersonally. That feels like a safe bet for lots of people. So, I could easily
1: see somebody saying, well, "Sure, let me just do this." You know what I mean? It's not worth it. <laughs> I'll say two things. One is that I've been thinking a lot about, you know, if we think about the course of human history, and obviously this has been different in different cultures, but the period of time in which arranged marriages, marriages arranged by, you know, parents or community, that that's not the norm in some societies, in the whole scheme of human history, I'm not sure. Like, we could have been going through you know, a relatively brief period in human history where people have been expected to find mates on their own. The challenge—I'm not—I'm not making any value judgments here—but the challenges of that, particularly for—I mean, when that gets into where looks become really important and money becomes really important. Of course, money is important with the arranged marriages too. But I, I just say all that to say we've been going through, like, in some ways, a really less structured approach to. Um, uh, I'm going to say mating in all the ways that that, that could mean. And like it's not, it should not be that surprising that we would enter a very different age than the one we've been in. Not to say I think we're going to go back to arranged marriages. I don't, but it's just not that surprising that we would evolve, I'm using that term loosely, but evolve into something else. The other thing I would say, though, is if people are going to have fewer children as a result of this alienation, That'd that is a... Oh, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say... Well, yeah, I think I'm going to basically say what you just said. It's a, it's a much softer, more humane way to avoid the overpopulation we're headed towards than, than you know, forced abortions and, and that kind of thing, as well as disease. So of some everyone epidemic. slowly yeah.
0: masturbating by themselves in darkened wait, rooms is wait, the answer to overpopulation.
2: Wait, wasn't that what happened in Judge Dredd?
0: People you were know, jerking off, and that's why there was- I did blood. not see Judge Dredd.
2: Well, Judge Dredd, I could have sworn there was a scene where Sylvester Stallone went into a room all by himself, came out with a towel, and it was like, all right.
0: I mean, it was just- Hold on, on a second. First of all, you saw Judge Dredd? What's going on?
2: Uh, uh, You know, something, you know, you're sitting at home, and it comes up on TV. I think that was the there other- There are
1: week. people who like that movie, aren't there? People, some exactly. Some people named them. I never saw it.
2: Yeah, it's like a version of the future. Which, by the by, the way, why is the future always painted painted as a sort of like nightmare? People don't want to feel things in the future. It really is. That's always been I the mean, future. That's I think that's. Better.
0: I think all of that started, you know, when you read Fahrenheit four five one by Ray Bradbury and certain parts of nineteen eighty four. I think there's this idea, and I think it's like a fear of technology is yep. that it was going to disconnect us. So they would envision futures that people were very disconnected from each other. Of course, I mean, Al- Aldous Huxley has the last laugh because we're much closer to Brave New World than we are to those other two, where people want to feel everything and have opinions about everything. Um, so I, I think that's where it got its start, like back then. And I'm surprised that that narrative hasn't really changed much.
2: I haven't right? felt it has. Possibly. Our futures
0: are still... I mean now a lot of our future movies are about environmental or genetic disaster nowadays which I yeah. think also feels really um
1: present. Although I I do think at least for the past 100 hundreds of years and maybe longer there's always an a, a pending apocalypse. I think there has been for hundreds of years at least like that if you saying. look at English literature like you know in the 18th century like the French Revolution was going to be the apocalypse and <laughs>
0: So, I I don't know. Every culture has had their apocalypse. I mean, shortly after Jesus died, the apostles were like, the end days are coming. Yeah, book of Revelations. I mean, mean, that year was like, that was like in 43. You know what I mean? Like, it was a long time ago. And and every culture has it. Like, the Aztecs had it. You know, they were like, they're going to come from the East.
1: They did. Well, well, (laughs) but um, it just reminds me of that quote from The Matrix where Smith says something like, you know, remember he he says that they tried with the first crops of humans yep. to create like a utopia, and everyone rejected it. Whole crop lost, and, and he said like the human, the chosen human condition is suffering. Like people choose to see the future bleak. Like it's I something was, we, do. the Buddhist
0: would love it. Thinking um, about that yesterday, did we have like a mind mouth? I was just thinking about that yesterday. That part of that movie. It's because yeah, it's a perfect movie. So I was probably, you're thinking
1: about
0: it. Everyone, Trisha loves the Matrix.
1: I love it too. 100. Although
0: I do think Reloaded
1: was was better than the first one.
0: <gasps> all right, whatever. Um, um. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, <laughs> Jason won't be joining us for the second half of season three. <laughs> Jason, we don't have time to talk about what's wrong with that. With that. Yeah. Sorry. All right. um, just you, It's just good that you know that your uh, opinion is unpopular. So anyway, back in October, uh, after we had talked to Jason about being in the Trump administration, I had let the recording just go and record what we talked about just off the cuff. And I thought that would be fun if we just played that for people. So guess what, everyone? You are getting uh, a bonus coming to you. And enjoy it. This is what we sound like when we don't think anyone is listening. After this is done, we'll come back and give recommendations so, now hear this. There was one thing that everybody wanted
2: to know, which I think we ended up cutting out.
0: <laughs> what?
2: Which were, like, the Betsy DeVos interactions. They really liked that. They wanted to know that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But you know what I realized? I don't, I don't think
0: people, people want to know the truth, though, right? Maybe not. I think no, I think they actually, want to hear that she was, like, stupid and racist. But, uh, Jason, that's probably not the truth, right?
2: No, but, I mean, I think the, yeah. what was really so. interesting was, like, the dynamics that it's really like a push pull. But no, the other thing I was thinking is, I don't know if we ever covered this. And so at some point, maybe we should. I would listen to the episode, which was really good. Did did the department get smaller?
1: It ha- Yeah, that's a great question. So it it has decreased in size, in terms of staff size by 13%, not mm-hmm. through any particular action, just through a hiring freeze that the secretary has instituted since, it's actually recently been modified, but for the first year and a half It was very hard to hire or promote people. That sounds like an action. What do you mean? That sounds like something that someone did to reduce the size of the workforce. No, that's true. But what it wasn't, I mean, I think some of us even early on thought, oh, what we may end up with like a reduction in force, right? Like we're going to, there was never like a, we got to cut 10%. It was just like a slow drip uh, decrease. Okay. But yes, you're right. We talked about whether it's going to get smaller. It is now 13% smaller than it was.
2: Oh, that's a nice nugget. Yeah, I, I, I so many people so many people text me and was like, "Oh my god, I was so learning. I was learning so much." Um, so even though you that's thought great. it was an information dump, it was actually really useful for people because a lot of people don't know how these departments work.
0: No, I thought it was totally useful. I I thought it was a really good episode. I think honestly, it's probably one of our best. Which yeah, I mean, it's content. it's almost all Jason, so read that the way that you want. <laughs> but well, heavy, content. heavy
2: content, lots of yeah, heavy content.
0: Yeah, content wise, like most of the time we're just bullshitting. Yeah. Like talking about like, wouldn't Blacktopia be great or
1: whatever? <laughs> like, like, we're is... talking about stuff we don't know a lot about. That's the difference, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's a you're, different you're like we talking about like running a camp, right? Like that yeah. would be detailed, right? Or like yeah. Trisha talking about like media literacy in detail yeah. or tennis in detail. But yeah, we're usually talking yeah, about shit we, we know nothing like, about. We literally well, had an know, expert on wanna... talking about stuff, which was great. I always
2: want to bring back Marcy because Marcy's so deeply embedded in the Planned Parenthood world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always like a little bit of info. I'm like, we have so many friends with so much information. <laughs> we could stand to have one or two visit yeah, I mean, us and tell can. them their business.
1: Can, can uh, I tell you real quick, just because you brought up Marcy. So at the department, the woman who runs the ethics office, her name is Marcella. Uh-huh. She is a, I'd say, a, she's a very attractive African-American woman. When I first met her and she did like a training for us and I was like, I called her Marcy, like, like not even realizing. I was like, "Oh, is it okay if I call you Marcy?" And she was like, "Only my husband calls me Marcy."
0: <laughs> I was like, "All right." And then you were like, "So this is serious."
1: Now? <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. <You> know. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, yeah, our three kids, uh, our three teenage <laughs> kids, and my husband and I are pretty serious.
0: <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. Marcy, Marcy. You know
1: what's funny? I've
0: reduced the amount of TV I watch by about 30% from last season of this season. And the only scripted stuff I watch is, like, How to Get Away with Murder, mm-hmm. like Modern Family Fresh Off the Boat.
1: You watch How to Get Away with Murder? Still. Yes. He yes still yes murder. oh but you know what though he,
2: at the
0: end of every I, episode this is me you motherfuckers yeah. how are you going to get away with murder now? Like, I know so much. you know
2: what you still watched um the other one all the way until the very scandal. end scandal I,
0: I had to go down with that shit but you know what's funny and i was talking to a friend about this um oh this sucks we should just record well this is being recorded But you know what? I was talking to to a friend today about TV, and we were talking about all these zombie TV shows like Murphy Brown, Will & Grace, Roseanne, all of them. And I was like, you know, what is it about this present moment? Like, I was like, it's not an accident that the shows from the 90s, that is people who are now in their 40s, it's not an accident that these shows are coming back. What I think it is is that like, in wartime, nostalgia is a big thing. And we are under constant assault from this administration. Like the news is so terrible Mm -hmm. that people just want to remember what it was like to be young. So (laughs) you turn on the TV and it's like, oh, it's Will and Grace. Oh, it's Murphy Brown. Oh, it's all this other stuff, right? Which is like comforting. And I, so that was one thing. Then the other thing I said, I was like, there is, I'm concerned about the lack of original content. Not that people are going to stop becoming creative because everyone's like, oh, there's nothing new under the sun. That's bullshit. But I was like, you know, because of the way that, this shit gets delivered to us like Hulu and Netflix. The reason why these things get greenlit is that companies can look and say, well, on Hulu old episodes of Will and Grace were downloaded 13,000 times last week. So we can green this. And so I was just like, the thing with these zombie shows is that like they already have sales and it just might be harder for something new to compete with that. Like who's going to want to take a flyer on that when you know that friends 2020 would like forty billion people would watch that, but do we need Friends twenty twenty? You know what I mean. Do you follow all that?
2: I follow it. I was uh, only no like... made sense then because you know what they actually like Netflix. They they produce a ton of content. Not everybody catches on to it
1: though. They're also like, canceling a ton
0: of content this year.
2: Yeah, because you know what they put a they put out a ton, and they're they're like throwing everything and seeing. They, what they
1: really was. are. I mean, it's like a different. It's an interest. It's an interesting business model now, right? Like they're spending a billion dollars, literally, knowing that like you know, like a third of it's going to stick. It's a very. It's it's like it's such a different age when it comes to like television or whatever we want to call it. Or.
2: <laughs> Streaming TV. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I. But I guess. I guess what my fear is that are we just going to keep telling ourselves the same stories over and over yeah. again?
2: Yeah, there'll come a time when we want different things. There'll come a time when you'll get bored of them. Well, now. how is that time not now?
0: Like because you're
2: because you're frantic and tired and <laughs> and feeling you, the, unless you assume that we're going to live in this present moment for a long time. I don't think so. And so people no. just people just find new things to be intrigued by.
1: I'm not. Sh- I mean, it's it's inter- interesting. Like I'm not sure. Like some of these things were always cyclical, right? Like Sherlock Holmes comes back again and again and again. There's another King Arthur movie every 10 years. And I don't. And there's always a uh,
0: Alice in Wonderland uh, in production. Right. Stage, screen, or TV at all times.
1: So so I don't, I mean, I think what's interesting right now is that these are shows that we watched when there were three networks. And now it's like, what do those look like in the current age of like, enormous fragmentation and segmentation. But I don't know beyond that, like beyond the platform difference. I don't know. That's really that different from like business as usual with cyclical things.
2: And also you have to think about who's producing it. It is people, our age. And at some point in time, the people who are not our age will want different things.
0: Well oh, but will they just want this stuff? Are we going to see like a Britney Spears resurgence, like 10 years from now? Because maybe the, what, those people will it's be, be in their forties.
2: It'll feel fresh to me. I never, I never caught it the first time. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think like Jason says, I think we could probably look at parallels in the past. I think there's a ton of like, actually it's interesting that you say that because I feel like there's so much new stuff that I haven't really paid the nostalgia TV much mind at all. And it's meant for me. It's meant for my age. But I have zero interest in revisiting Murphy Brown um will and grace i have not watched any of the reboots at all
0: i'm done with them i watched one, uh, First of all i never watched the original but i watched one and this is the other thing the thing about roseanne too it's trying so hard to be relevant yeah mm-hmm. and I, i'm just like well just build something relevant from the ground up that's true you know right? what I mean? instead of trying to shoehorn like on the Connors, like they have like a black grandkid and a gender non-conforming kid and someone's gay. And it's like, I get it. And, and their neighbors are Muslim. And like, I, I get it, right? I understand what they're trying to do because that's what that show's kind of always been about, like lowbrow white people having to deal with the world. The world's changed though. But I'm like, so why don't we just start with another lowbrow white? Like we had all in the family. Then we had Roseanne. Why don't we have something else? Like, why do we have to go back to Roseanne? And I guess, I guess that's my thing, like Will and Grace, which, what, whatever, I was never a fan of Will and Grace, and, you know, and people will debate me whether that was an important moment for uh, queer TV and whatnot. Um, the thing is that Will and Grace was never relevant to the moment that it was in, right? It was completely apolitical. Um, and now, as they're trying to put politics into it, right? It's really uncomfortable to watch because it's not of this moment. And trying to tackle this moment just seems so fake I don't know maybe it's just me but I, I I'm just like well why don't people just try harder to make shit like blackish is new and it's it can be relevant because it's new like it doesn't have to work so fucking hard
2: yeah I mean I think that's sort of unfair I mean you can those people still exist and still have to tackle the moment whether you feel it's forced or not is maybe just up to you but they they still have to tackle the moment otherwise it would feel like a real a stranded in time show. No, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine if they never dealt with sort of the present moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I guess I don't know. I I just don't. I want to. I I find the zombie resurgence. I find it really interesting. I wonderful end. And I wonder if you're right. I wonder if. 10 years from now, we're going to go back and they're going to bring back, I don't know what the fuck kids watch, Blue's Clues or whatever the hell. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm surprised Blue's Clues isn't back, actually. I'm really shocked. Actually, that I thought hasn't it, come did. I did it? it did. I remember seeing something
0: about they got like some Indian kid to be the new face of some show that all, everyone used to watch. I thought it was Blue's Clues.
1: I don't, maybe it is. I didn't hear that, but maybe it it's is. It's
2: hard. It's hard for me. I don't watch TV anymore. And
0: Dora's all grown up too now, right? Hmm. She's like an adult. She's like in Is college. Is she not
2: exploring anymore?
0: Um, I think she's exploring her sexuality. Uh, <laughs> the way that they draw her, because like she's very sexy oh, now. So. Man. <laughs> um,
2: they've aced her up. They're
0: <laughs> so appropriately. Oh Lord, have mercy. Okay, let's go, Jason. Did you go out for Halloween? Did you take your kids out? So, oh fuck! I was trying to leave, but no. so I was, tell us the story now. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, you know, we're at this Lily White private school now, but there's like a there's a strong like, you know, black minority community of parents and kids, right? So apparently there's this family that always invites all the black families over on Halloween. They live in like a big house in this neighborhood. It's really like a great place to walk around. And so we were invited last night. And wait, have they ever seen you? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's going to be a guess who's coming to dinner situation.
1: No, no, no. no. They they see me, but so so I was the only white person there. But um so I mean it, so that what they do is the men all stay in the house and drink and the moms <laughs> oh. all take all the kids out and trick or treat. Like that's what they do. I'm and so already turned off the, by this the, gendered well, bullshit. Well, but the funny. the thing is this this is the thing though. And this could be a much longer conversation, but you know, I I have had to reflect on like I, I have to I- admit and own that I have some kind of aversion to bonding with heterosexual men. <laughs> Hello. Okay. First of all, Jason, welcome home.
0: Uh, I've always felt that way. So congratulations. Uh,
1: so so, so no, last, on, night, about last night, I hung out with three African-American heterosexual yeah. men. Who have kids in the school that my kids and we drank and I don't you know I don't drink a lot but I drank last night with them and it was so fun it was <laughs> so fun I really enjoyed it <laughs> oh my God. And we had real talk we didn't talk about sports like we were talking about like our relationships and like growing up and it was it was like real talk oh,
2: great oh the, you know what that's because they weren't heterosexual
0: men <laughs> Well, they were heterosexual men. What do you mean? Oh, no, she'd say not. maybe they're on the DL. Heter- no, 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 Oh, tr- tr- everyone can't be gay. I no, wish. no, 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 no.
2: I wasn't actually <laughs> saying that. Normally, I do, but I was like, they were not having heterosexual men like conversation
1: because it's oh, that, no, that's
0: that's not fair to heterosexual men who don't always talk about like name like them chicks and sports and bullshit. Name like,
1: them. I mean, that is name the thing, though. I find these three guys. These three guys that. were talking about other things, but it is true. Like most of the time, it's like. <laughs> let's talk about sports. And I'm like, I'm just so not interested. <laughs> you know what? I met,
0: I met this gay kid who was like 19. No, he might've been 22. And he was, we were just, we were just talking about, he was new to the city and we were just talking about like, um whatever he was saying he needed, he wanted to have more straight friends. So we started paying attention to sports and, you know, he tries to like masculinize his speech and his, uh, he doesn't do a lot of this. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay. Was co- code switching." And I was like, well, what kind of straight men are you trying to be friends with? I was like, cause I'm friends with lots of straight men and none of them talk about sports. Anyway, my point being is that he had an idea much like I think you do, Jason, about what heterosexual men do. Right. And he was like trying to fit into it. But I was like, you know, there's probably a breadth of, heterosexual men who don't subscribe to all of this show that you're putting on. So I don't know why you can't find your tribe of straight men, Jason. You're not the only one who's great. No,
1: but I've, no, I've read stuff though. And I've heard stuff. You may have heard some of this, that first of all, men in general are not great at bonding and white men in particular are are the worst. What (laughs) hmm? are the, are the worst at forming (laughs) bonds. Um, And and I think it, you know, someone once told me actually in a race equity class told me it was was a white guy who was running this race equity workshop. And he said, he said to me, like, you know, the thing with us, like with white guys is like, we see all men as competitors. And so we don't, we don't bond. Like we don't, and he was like, let's get together. Like that kind of thing. And I, I didn't kind of buy it at the time, but I have to say it's right. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I I don't consciously go around, like seeing everyone as competitors, but I feel like I definitely keep my distance from men.
0: Well, I think also it's like, I don't know. It must be different because you're like all straight and white and whatever. But like, (laughs) I I understand like if you were, if if I was, I can't imagine, but being straight and white, like being a straight white man who identifies that you don't have a lot of straight white man friends and wanting to seek them out to congregate with them, like that connotes something to me. So I understand how difficult it must be to want to approach the idea that you want to bond with other people like you. But while also like being woke and aware, like the, the, I mean, if you tell me that a bunch of straight white guys are getting together, I'm already anxious. Do you know what I mean? Like from the yeah, get? I,
1: I wasn't saying white in particular. Like I just, I don't care white or, or any race. Like I don't bond with heterosexual men. Last night, the guys were all black, but I had a very good time. Like I just, any heterosexual men, like I'm trying to figure out, like, do I have some problem with, with um, you know, communing with Does
2: them? Does it matter if they're single? Those guys were married. Maybe that's I think They, they were I think all married single, with kids. I
0: think single straight guys. I'm at the age now where all of my friends have plus ones. right? My friend, he's like 30, 31. All <laughs> oh, he talks about is girls, which girls he saw where, whose number he's got. She's got a sister. They just texted me. <laughs> I need to cancel plans with the guys because I, these girls just called. And I'm- That sounds boring. I'm I'm fed up because I was like, you know what? <laughs> Not for nothing. Like, I've never had straight sex, but I've had sex. And I'll tell you, it's great. I'm not canceling my whole day for it. Like, I'm just not. Like, it's it's great. You know what I mean? You're I, lying. I love it.
2: I, I remember when you were first having sex, you were canceling whole days.
0: Uh, you got to give them some time in the beginning. I know. In the beginning, like, at 30, when you're still, like, your yeah. entire day is revolving around which girls or boys or whatever you can get to talk to you. It's it's a little sad. That's all I'm going to say. It's like you, come on.
2: Fair (laughs) enough. Come
0: on. Get to the next level. So I think it does make, I'm answering for you, Jason. I think it does make a difference that those three guys were not single. I think if they were single, you would have engaged in a much more,
1: I don't know if that's fair though,
0: but I think it would have been a much more sort of like what you think the conversation would have been about.
1: Although, I mean, my real experience with some guys is like, but they do talk about sports the whole freaking time. I mean, they really do. Like, they were having conversations like that. And I have to admit, like, they talk about sports, and I'd be like, now tell me how this is not the plantation of the 21st century. And then, of course, <laughs> and then, of course no one wants me around, right? It's yeah. like, can
0: you just, yeah, why don't
1: you go get a drink?
0: <laughs> why don't you go don't get, you get us a drink?
1: drink? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I think, like I think your like... kids are calling you. Why don't you go talk to your kids?
0: <laughs> I love it. I love, you're, you're always invited to my parties. <laughs> I, always. In the corner. I have more straight friends now than I've ever had in my entire life.
1: Why? That's interesting.
0: I met, you know, I'm, I'm a connector of people. I was, I was at um we we had to get together at my friend's house for um Halloween last night, and there was like 10 people there. And one of the girls were like, Oh, so how asked me, because I knew her. She's like, How do you know everyone? How does everyone here know each other? And I realized that I have connected everyone in the room. It's mm-hmm. always been my superpower. So last night there was like last night there were more straight people there than gay people i think there were 10 people and it was just me and matt yeah there were two gay guys in the whole room which was uh, it's crazy that's great trisha remember when we uh were (laughs) trisha remember when we decided that we needed more straight friends and so we were trying to befriend a straight man do you remember this operation adam remember that
2: yes he was they just didn't have anything to say in there. They, <laughs>
0: they were so boring. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Jason, in,
2: you're not alone. Apparently, yeah. it's the thing. <laughs> Back That's in the true. mag
0: seven days, it was all girls and gay guys hanging out together, and we were like, "We need to hang out with a straight guy. Let's diversify." And then our energy and no, in our energy
1: it, was fun. Well, in all seriousness, what I learned during my Tinder period, I did really well for two reasons. One. I talked about stuff, and two, I wasn't an asshole. Now and the for, bar is so—it's low. so low for women. <laughs> for women in their it's late thirties so and early forties, that was all it was. Wait, wait—you want to talk about stuff? And wait, wait—you're not an asshole. Like that was what was my secret? I was not an asshole. That's it. That's it. I listened it's to what they had low. to say. I didn't talk about low. myself the whole time. It is unbelievable.
2: I, Listen, the expectations for hetero men is so low. Can and we just like, sit with that for a second? Like how apart. sad, how awful. That's what, and, that's what it means to be the power. The power, the most powerful man in the world means that you don't actually have to do anything. You don't, yeah, have,
1: to, you don't but, have to engage.
2: You don't have to be good at anything.
1: See, but I blame women for this. You can't blame women. <laughs> it's
2: because of their numbers. It's simply because a man can move on. Because a man knows that his ability to move on Is um, easier than the woman Then he just never has to develop Never does He'll be like oh, there's another woman right down the street I'll Go right to her <laughs> 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 uh, I, I,
0: I just uh, wh- How do women let men off the hook
1: Because like
2: they that, need though. them they Yeah need
1: that's them. the problem Like At a certain men. point it's supply and demand and, they, and what are you going to do
2: Yeah they haven't done the work
1: Come on! I mean, you really? guys,
2: you guys force, you guys force gay guys to do some work. You gotta have abs of steel or something, right? <sighs> there's, there's some work that has to go into it. But with some women, they barely—if that barely even matters. I don't okay, know. But, many-
0: but let's play that out, right? Because if it's just That's supply true. and demand, right? Okay. Y- there are far fewer gay men than there yep. are any type of other person. Do you know what I mean? Like, as far as like we're talking about, like
2: pool, but your selection pool forces you to have to negotiate. So if you've got 10 gay guys, you can't slack off as a gay, but, gay guy.
0: But there were 10 gay guys. Yep. Oh, I see what you're saying.
2: You can't slack off, you gotta I like. know, but, but,
0: but that's because like <laughs> we also set, we set the rules, right? So it's like, you have to go to the gym, yep. right? You have to X, Y, and Z. Like there's like things that you got to do. Right? And you would be punished. And I'm not, and I'm not, and by the way, I'm not underwriting any of that. I'm just no, saying like, know, that's guys, how it is. Women should... do not hold straight men to a standard. No, all. no,
1: you're right. No, the no
0: standards. So if I women that, did. It's also, it's also ahead, power Josh.
2: too. Think about, think about the women who hold men to the highest standard. Who are they? And who, who, le- who gets left holding the bag? Who are the black women? Who are the women? That
0: yeah, hold not only the black women. Need you, thank you.
2: <laughs> it's, and then it's what, not, do we, what, do we, what do men say about them? Too much they're work. Too,
0: they're too you much. They're do. too much work. <laughs> and they go find a white girl who's like, Oh my God, I love how strong you are.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's also just the dynamics, right? You know, sometimes you really need a guy because he's got money. He's got more money than you, better established.
1: Uh, Actually though, you just pointed out, there is another, there's a third reason why I did so well at Tinder. And this is so terrible, but it's because I'm totally fine with dating black women.
2: Oh yeah, that's true.
1: And you know, the the research shows that on dating apps, like black women are the most disadvantaged in Asian men.
2: Don't go on the apps.
1: Don't go on the fucking apps. And here in Chocolate City, like that just opened up a lot of doors. Like,
2: there you go. (laughs) I talk about stuff.
1: I'm not an asshole. And I swipe right on black women.
2: There you go. Swag, swag. uh, You were all the (laughs) rage.
0: I
1: hate everything about this. this.
2: This might be specific to the country because, like, I play very well abroad, I don't play well here.
0: So. You want to, you want to talk about who plays well abroad? Let me tell <laughs> you something. I started a near riot. <laughs> Where was I started a near riot? I think it was in Barcelona or Amsterdam.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, I got chased down the street, but in That's a sexy why they way, well. not the way not the way I get chased down the street in this ass country. <laughs> I got chased down the street. It's totally different over there. But anyway. Um, well, hmm. Dynamics. Dynamics. Well, I, I just want women to hold men to a higher standard. I think well, straight, we could definitely straight and get away with murder. That. And I, I just, I mean... It, they
2: can commit murder with a pot belly and be bad parents. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's so true. They can so pot true.
0: belly smell like tobacco twenty four seven, and their wife is worried about like, oh, I, I hope I, I want to look good for him. <laughs>
2: it's oh my god, it's so the, true. There's a, um, there's a, there's a Twitter feed that's just like archival photos of different things. Although strangely, it seems to really be about Nazis. But there's also. There's, <laughs> um, <laughs> what? There's, there's, it's, it's so funny. It's like it's like a it's called archival um, photos, and there are three topics that comes up all the time. One, Nazis in the U.S. Okay. Two, models at home. What? <laughs> like models just randomly posing in weird ways. Models are just like us. Yeah, it was like models and dancers at home, so it was weird. And I was like, can we just rotate? And then there's a third thing. Where it's, <laughs> like men with their um what are wives that you get from abroad what do they call
0: mail-order brides
2: mail-order mail brides and their and their husbands can i oh, tell you that's
1: probably awful that's pr- it is so <laughs>
2: hilarious these these images are so classic it is the schlubbiest guy in the world standing right next it's like, to like this,
1: a gorgeous like, colombian woman right
2: super proud next to these like russian <laughs> And I was like, if that doesn't tell you what you want to know about a culture, I don't know what is. Like, it is the worst. It's like, it's like, and the husbands look over the moon. Like, they won the lotto. Like,
0: like the women- <laughs> okay, but what that actually tells me, like, that is funny for all the reasons why it's funny. But what that also tells me is that, like, in our culture, we focus on the wrong thing. Because I've noticed something about Russians. Is that, like, Russian women, regardless of what they look like, right, will get with a certain type of Russian guy who tends to always look like someone's dad you know what i mean yep. Yep. and 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 jason you would brought this up once when talking about putin right just the idea of like this attraction of like the strength in the this dad, man yeah. the person and like i wonder if like i mean we want to judge that as we just did but at the same time are we focused on the wrong thing like these women are like i mean leave the mail order part out of it because like the fact that they get citizenship is like a really big deal i guess but like are they just focused on a different thing? Like you know, they're oh well,
2: money in cash.
1: Well, well, and the, the truth thing. is, for millennia, it has been an institution of financial security. Yeah. we've tried to make it into a friggin' Disney movie, but uh, a love God. story. It's a huh? love
2: story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen. Well, those
0: so- women are just more in tune with reality than the rest of us. Then I don't know. If they're maybe more We're, we're the ones of- who are.
2: No, they're more in tune with the rest of reality because they're more vulnerable. Russian oh, women yeah. are in precarious. That's true. Yeah. Oh. I guess I South can't American ignore women.
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, the, the first lady. Hello.
0: I was just thinking that. Talk about like the the poster exactly, child for male order bride. It's
1: exactly the dynamic we're talking about with an older. But you know what?
2: Well established.
0: I read the Rolling Stone article about her, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating. First of all, because it's shady as fuck. Uh, while posing as journalism, it's totally shady. Uh, <laughs> But you read about how, like, her full-time job was dating uh, rich white men trying to find Donald Trump. Like, that's what she did. She went to the gym, and at night she had different dates with men. Mm -hmm. And she was just – it was like like that girl in college. Remember? That girl in college who was like, I'm not here – I was like, oh, pre-law. That must be interesting. She's like, I'm not interested in being a lawyer. I'm husband hunting. And (laughs) – we made fun of her so hard, but look, she—you know—she got a, a a white husband who was a lawyer. She got two beautiful kids, a beautiful home, and look at me living in this hall.
2: <laughs> I mean, like
0: our priorities are screwed up, but I think I'm okay with
2: them. <laughs> But you know what? I don't judge it because to each their own, right? What makes you? I think whatever makes you comfortable. If those women and I always say it to my friends, like some of my friends are extremely gorgeous, and I'm like, you want to be taken care of? You know exactly what to do. You can, you know, just work out, make yourself presentable. You know,
1: you don't have to even say that much and get a. God, (laughs) might might be better if you don't. Right? No, I don't want to believe that.
2: But you know, everything comes with a cost, no?
0: Everything does come with a cost and relationships are no different. Yep. I, I tend to romanticize Indian arranged marriages too much. And all it's only because like when we were younger, Trish, you and I used to watch a lot of Indian movies, right? Yep. And so I'd romanticize it far too much because like mm-hmm. those women are talk about being disadvantaged and that's not always to their benefit. But I just I think I enjoy the idea too much of just like a practical framing around a relationship. Like oh, really I, pract- I, I, I think I like it too much. I've been accused of not being very romantic because I'm very about <laughs> like, listen, this is what I get. This is what I can give you. This is what you get. This is what you can give me.
1: Uh, Can, we like, yeah. Can we transact? That's yeah. Can we transact? No,
2: they're like every Jewish person I've ever worked with, which is great. Like, I'm it's sad I'm not Jewish because when I worked with all these little Jewish ladies in um in CUNY, that was. But they were all about. They're like, let's help. I meet these women, they'll be like, I'm going to pair her up with this person. <laughs> Let's
0: get it done. Get I like it that done. Network.
1: Trisha, yes. it's not too late for you to get on J-Day. You know, there are like yeah. black women on JD. Oh, and some God, of them, just, some of their that descriptions, that? some of their descriptions will even say, I'm not, I am not joking, willing Earth to convert. D-D. They will say, willing to convert in their profile. Oh, that is crazy. I swear to you.
2: Oh, that's so you know interesting. What, I
1: didn't know it shifted that way. Wait, J-Date. Remember J-Date? Is it still going? Oh,
0: J-Date's oh, still going. Oh, wait yes. a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. First of all, converting to another religion is never a game, right? But a woman converting to Judaism and having to raise the children Jewish? Like, that's a big thing to take on if you... Yeah,
2: because doesn't... You know
1: doesn't what I mean? Lineage, that's a that's a thing.
2: Yeah, doesn't the lineage go through the mother? I thought that was the whole thing, right?
1: Yeah, no. If the kids are going to be Jewish, she's got to convert in an Orthodox synagogue.
0: Oh, damn. That's a lot. That's a lot of work for a man. <laughs> A lot (laughs) of work. Maybe it'd
2: be like Charlotte. It'd be worth it.
1: (laughs) I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. Like I remember when you know she was like, "You're not paying attention to me." I gave up Jesus, and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna hold it over my head the rest of my life? (laughs) Take out the trash." I gave up Jesus. I totally would. I'm like, I gave up Jesus with the abs for
0: this. (laughs) Talking about talking about uh zombie shows, Sex in the City. I don't know if you've watched Sex and the City, but that whole conversion storyline really wasn't handled well. <laughs> Surprise, it really wasn't handled well.
2: How could it, ago. though? How could it not be? It was, It was like, written, based in New York. They're Jewish writers, no? No, I guess Well,
0: not. I mean, just like they treat everything else. Like, the, the Judaism was just a set piece, right? Ah! So <laughs> they, they interacted with it. Like, maybe I'm too reverential, but, like, it's... <laughs> It's a big deal. Like, and the jokes <laughs> about it, I just thought were like a little... Well,
2: nothing, oh. well, nothing on that show was ever going to be serious. So
0: I, I suppose no, that
2: part wasn't going to be either. It
0: all ages so poorly. <laughs> it all ages so... The only uh, shows I feel like age well are British shows. You can watch them today and they're still good. But American shows age so piss poorly. It's like yeah. they're not watchable. <laughs>
1: That's
0: true. They're not watchable after a while.
2: I got to check out... Give me a break. I got to watch the ones from the 80s for oh sure.
1: My God. I don't think I can watch it.
0: Was give me the break the one that's Nell, Nell Carter, Carter and she Carter. was the maid for the, the Polish maid. family, mm-hmm. and they had three daughters
2: and a son, I think, because it was a little kid. Yeah, Joey
0: Lawrence. Yeah, oh, I love shit. that show. It's a great show.
2: I wonder how it holds up though. Ooh, maybe it's really bad. I, know.
0: I mean, I, maybe she was black, like totally mammy-ish, but she black was domestics. Uh, I don't know. I don't
2: domestics know. are hard, you're right.
0: <laughs> black oh. domestic. What this oh, black woman? Wait, oh. I mean, you know what I remember? All the Polak jokes. Ah! I mean, talk about something we don't do anymore. World War II was well, a long you know time what? ago.
2: They used to do that on the Webster. Remember Webster?
0: Yeah. The Webster. A yeah, they used
2: to make fun of him. <laughs> they used to make fun of the dad. The Polak dad, yeah. He was always the butt of jokes.
0: <laughs> oh my can, you God. Say, can we say Polak? Is that a word? That, uh, yeah, is that a you slur? Should,
1: you shouldn't say it, no. Oh, shit.
2: See, now we know.
1: But yeah, when well, we were they kids, said right? said it all the time. It was, it, like, it just, oh, it, it was like just it was just a way accent. of saying you're stupid. Yeah.
2: Oh, really? I thought that was actually it was like an ethnic group.
0: <laughs> they used to say that on the show, "You dumb Polak." <laughs> like it was. That's where I heard it. Like, oh, that's true. It was so on that's TV. Like insulting, is
2: that an insulting thing for Polish people? Yeah. Oh wow. Oh Damn.
0: man. You know. We've come such a long way, and I always, I always pitch this, but like ten years from now, what's going to be the new sensitivity? What are we doing now that ten years from now, some group of people is like, you know what, that was really terrible.
2: Going to be real trans shit. Yeah. You know
0: what? I uh, I met up with my friend Joe when I was in Amsterdam, and we hung out for a couple of days, and we were just reminiscing. You know, you know, Trisha, you know Joe and Jason. I've known Joe for like thirty five years, and we were just talking about like stuff that we remember, like shows and stuff, and we both identified. Eddie Murphy's Raw.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There was a particular sequence of jokes that I remember every single moment of it because it was so offensive
1: about to our people. young
0: gay selves. Yeah, it was about like I'm not going to repeat it. Yeah. Like, it was just well, like
1: it, it. wasn't just Raw. I don't know if you remember. He had three record. Raw was the feature film, but he had dangerous. there was Eddie Murphy and Delirious.
0: Delirious.
1: And the on the first the first one, which was just called Eddie Murphy. There was the first sequence was called Faggots mm-hmm. and then in Delirious it was Faggots revisited wow. and it was like so brutally homophobic I mean like And, and you got, know what Eddie Murphy
0: was so weird. Shut up. was,
1: was gay was so the whole weird, time though. right
0: Yeah so gay God the it. whole time That's so Johnny Gill was like I'll rub you the right way and he's like okay.
2: Oh well, all of them yeah. actually now it turns out all of them were all gay right? Arsenio Sam Arsenio Arsenio
1: I don't know if that's all. I think it was the two of them. I think when they. It was all
2: out anyway. I thought
1: they were kind of together when they did Coming to America.
2: I think there was some idea of some stuff. No. Dairy Spice suggested it. Remember?
0: She yeah, was like, and, then, was she got, the she got and shot then she got shut down by a gag order. She was so successfully sued by Eddie
1: Murphy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after
0: she had that like, kid by him. Well, wow. Well, but she sued terrible. him
1: and won yeah. with well, yeah. a paternity suit because he said but, it wasn't his but kid. Then,
0: but afterwards, he was able to gag her like, like Tom yeah. Cruise levels of gagging. And I just didn't know Eddie Murphy <laughs> had that kind of power, honestly.
1: Well,
2: you know, for a while, a he had enough money. Remember, at the, that was when he had a movie career. So
0: when he was in Dreamgirls?
2: Yeah, he was really protected then. He was protected because of the nutty professor and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep. All right, people, I got to go to sleep. I'm sorry. Yeah,
2: they'll all be coming coming out when we're all old and gray, older and grayer. (laughs) And we'll be like, oh my God, really?
0: They'll be like Joel (laughs) Grey coming out like 70. And we'll be like, bitch, we done known. (laughs) All right. All right, everyone, bye. Good night.
1: (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Okay, we're back. Wasn't that fun? I told you.
2: Oh, I don't know if I want to – I don't know if I wanted to reveal that much about myself. Yeah, it's,
0: but too I, no, it's, it's too
2: late. It's too late. I know. Late.
1: I used to say we should just record everything we talk about in case something's interesting. Now I'm second-guessing that. Well, it
0: was, I, I, it was all very interesting. You you all out there, let us know. Um, or, or we'll never do that again. I just – Anyway. Let's uh let's give you some recommendations, which is something that you have seen, heard, read, or experienced. You think other people should see, hear, read, or experience. Trisha, you have one that I'm going to gently co-sign on. So why don't you go?
2: <laughs> I'm gonna recommend the movie Widows. Um, I the moment I saw the previews, I was like, I have to see it because it looks like women kicking ass. And then after I saw it, I actually just really enjoyed the way the um the story unfolded. I love the way the women were characterized in it. And also, uh, Viola Davis got to make out with Liam Neeson, and I remember years ago when Liam Neeson was my hot guy. And so that was also pleasant to see on screen. So uh, just actually, you know what? Ignore the previews if it doesn't seem like your kind of thing. It's actually more of a surprising movie than um, you would think. And I think it's definitely swinging for an older crowd too, because I was in a theater with a lot of old married couples and like a few singles, (laughs) that's it. Which makes me sad because I was like, you know what? I I was hoping some younger folks would go see it. Cause I think that's um, some of the best women I've seen on screen in a long time. That's, you know, I wholeheartedly recommend widows. It's just the kind of thing for you to see
0: on a break. I've also seen widows and I think everyone should see it. If you think it's not your movie, you're probably wrong.
2: Yeah, it's, maybe
0: it's fun. And I can, uh, There, I thought there were some problems with it and I could see, I'm not going to say it's the best movie this year. It's not. Um, but you're not going to walk out thinking that was stupid. You're just not going to think that. There's a lot to like in it. And there's some stuff that you're like, what? But there's a lot to like. I just want to shout out to the cinematography. There's a really beautiful shot. It's just to catch everyone up. The movie is about these women whose husbands were like criminals And they get killed on a job and now they have to finish the job that their husband started uh, for a variety of reasons. But a lot, it's shot in Chicago with this idea, it's like this rich Chicago, poor Chicago thing. And there's this one shot where a politician leaves this very, a very African American part of Chicago and then drives to his fancy part of Chicago. And there's a whole conversation happening in the car, but the camera is on the hood So just seeing the transition of the neighborhood from one to another in real time while they're having the conversation, I thought was so genius because it drove home the point of everything that happened in the scene before and the scene after. Steve McQueen did such a great job with this movie. I really liked it. Uh, I had issues with some of the writing, uh, but I realized that I just didn't realize to the end that this was based on a book. So that may not be McQueen's fault.
1: Well, I just want to say that recommendation uh, by Tricia and with you co-signing, Chris, it was effective for me because I had no interest in seeing it. And now hearing the two of you talk about it, I want to see it now.
2: Yeah. And we'll talk it. about it after you've seen it. I guarantee yeah. you, you're going to call and say, let's talk about this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a lot to comment on. And that Daniel, what's his name? I want to say his name is Daniel Kalua, but I don't is a
1: drink.
0: <laughs> I don't know. There's no G in it. Is it? It's like a lot of yeah, lies definitely. and news. Do you know who we're talking about, Jason?
1: I have no idea. The what guy in Get Out. About. And, and every Wakabi. other movie this year. He
2: was Wakabi in
1: Black Panther. He was in Black Panther. He was in Get Out. He was in... Oh, okay. Now I know who you're talking about, but I don't claim to know how to say his name.
0: Yeah. Anyway, he's in this because of course he is. Yeah.
1: See what else. Jason? So continuing the tradition of me making recommendations based on Airport Lit, I am reading the latest installment of the Jack Reacher series past tense and i just want to say first of all i'm really enjoying the book it is so well written Um, but the other thing is that i have now heard multiple interviews with the author lee child and it seems like it's not just me giving this series props like it's it's taken very seriously and i find it interesting because in some ways it is such airport lit i mean it's the same character with you know slightly different situations over and over. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the A Team. Like when I used to watch the A Team, looking back, it's like the same episode every time, just like slightly different um, circumstances. And yeah, is, is that what
0: makes Airport Lit Air, Airport Lit? Though you recommended so much Airport Lit, and I think <laughs> the previous seasons I've like busted on, busted on you for it. But like you really like these books, so I'm just gonna go for it. But like, do. is that what makes airport lit, airport lit? The fact that it's sort of like recurring
1: characters, like a comic book in novel form? I don't think it has to be recurring. Char- First of all, this is funny because it, it was you who introduced me to that term. Um But I don't think it has to be recurring characters, but I I do think there's there's something a little formulaic and I think at least a perception of superficial, right? In, in quote, airport lit, unquote. I guess, um, I just don't know if that's
0: earned or if that's just something that we- It's
2: just the thing people think. Yeah, like I, that's-
1: that's what I'm trying to say. Like is although I mean, look, I there's other, like I tried reading a couple of James Patterson's books. I books, I could not get through them. Like well, I maybe, find them right He's terrible. I found him terrible. He's but look, who am I to say? He sold like so many books. But my point is like I really like these Lee Child books and it does seem like there are, you know, critics and others who do take them seriously. So anyway, point is I recommend it. Um and uh yeah,
0: I think it's good stuff. Sweet. I I enjoy that you enjoy it.
1: <laughs> uh, that's about it.
0: i really do it I, won't be ends reading, there. <laughs> I won't be reading it but i enjoy that you enjoy it so what i want to recommend it's a sort of a general recommendation but i read an article about the x-men and it was talking about the x-men storyline called the legacy virus which came out 25 years ago this was something i read on world aids day and the legacy virus the Storyline went something about like in, you know, in the X-Men are mutants and they're different from humans. And the legacy virus was something that mutants could catch and could sometimes pass on to humans. And the symptoms were that they would get fever and their skin would grow lesions and then they would eventually die. And this went, this storyline lasted in X-Men for a while in the wake of Stanley dying. And thinking about what he was trying to do with his characters and thinking about the allegory, a lot of people, marginalized people, felt very comfortable with the X-Men storyline because it was a story of people who were uh, excluded through um, nothing that they could control. And a lot of people, especially a lot of queer people, really enjoyed that message. And the article that I read, and we'll link to it, it was on Hornet.com. It was just a brief overview of the Legacy Virus storyline. And it's something that I had forgotten about because I don't think I made the connection to HIV at the time. Um, but now looking back, like so many parts of the X-Men, it was really instructive in a subversive way, which is why, you know, I didn't, I didn't read a lot of Marvel comics when I was a teen, but it, it did things that DC didn't touch for a variety of reasons. And this was one of them. And then on world AIDS day, like in, in thinking about that, like the fact that this came back um, and people were still talking about it, I thought that was really cool. So check out the article learn something and yeah so that's my recommendation
1: that's great can i ask you a quick clarifying question about this logan that movie
0: okay i didn't see it
1: oh well then never mind okay Okay. why did you you not see
0: logan i wasn't interested i don't i don't enjoy hugh jackman in that role
1: what does that mean basically you don't like any of the x-men movies
0: yeah i don't enjoy the movies
1: Wow, that's and the opposite. Know. I've never even looked at the comics before. Yeah, uh, I think
0: they're, they're terribly cast. <laughs> 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 Perfect. <laughs> okay, wait, okay. <laughs> so anyway, all right, everybody. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And uh, as far as you two, I will see you soon. Take care. Soon. Take care. Bye.
2: Bye.